Change does not roll in on the wheels of inevitability, but comes through continuous struggle. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. My guest today, Jordan A. Madison, is an agent of change. After receiving her Bachelor's of Arts in Psychology from Spelman College and her Master's of Science in Couple and Family Therapy from University of Maryland College Park, she eventually went on to start her own private practice, Therapy is My Jam, for Black individuals and couples. A licensed clinical marriage and family therapist, she has made it her mission to provide Black women and men with the tools that they need to become healthier and healed individuals and reduce the stigma of mental health in the Black community. Stay tuned for an important conversation with my Spelman sister, Jordan A. Madison. Hi, Jordan. How are you today? I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm doing well, and it's so good to see you. Welcome to the show. I'm so glad that you're able to join me today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Of course. So if you will, I would love for my audience to get to know who you are. Who is Jordan A. Madison? Um, sure. Uh, my name is Jordan. I, like you, went to Spelman. Um, I'm a licensed clinical marriage and family therapist. So I enjoy working with individuals and couples and helping them to understand things from their past and patterns and how it's impacting their present and help them to create a future that's more sustainable, where they practice self-care, healthy relationships, and things like that. Um, I also enjoy writing for Therapy for Black Girls, um, making content for my social media page. When I'm not doing work-related things, I'm typically reading or listening to music or going to bar class. So that's a glimpse of who I am. So like me right now, you're a student at Spelman College. Mm -hmm. What was your time like at Spelman College? What do you... When did you decide there that you wanted to major in psychology or go into this field? Um, my time at Spelman was pretty awesome. Can't really say I had too many complaints. Um, I think I knew prior to even going to Spelman that I would major in psychology because I knew I wanted to be a therapist. Um, and I knew I wanted to go to Spelman for like a really long time as well. Um, so majoring in psychology wasn't too much of a hard decision. I feel like I just already knew that part. Um, but my time at Spelman was pretty good. I will say my freshman year, everyone talks about like their freshman year being their best year. It's so much fun. For me, my freshman year was kind of hard because I was homesick. I was like one of the only friends to go away for college or at least go away that far to college. So I felt homesick. Um, one of my friends from high school had passed away um, my first semester of freshman year. And I was like, trying to keep up a long distance relationship with my high school sweetheart, which was not a good idea. Um, so like my freshman year was just a lot going on and I was really homesick and not as present and embracing the Spelman experience as much as I could have been. Um, but second semester, I got a little better. And then by sophomore year, I was like, okay, like we're not missing anything at home. Enjoy yourself at school. Like, and I had a great time. So after Spelman, what did your career path look like? Would you say it was a smooth path? Yeah, I was pretty blessed. Um, after Spelman, I, like I said, I got accepted into my grad school, like March, maybe Fe February um, of my senior year. So I went straight to grad school right after, went to UMD um, to get my master's in couple and family therapy. 
And those two years of grad school were rough for sure. Cause grad school is not like undergrad. Um, and there was a lot to do, a lot to balance and juggle. Um, but made it through, graduated. And then after that, I, I want to say maybe February or March of my last year of grad school, I started to look for some positions because I was like, oh my God, I'm going to be out of school. I need money. I'm going to be broke. Like, how am I going to pay for stuff? So I found a job pretty early on in my, um, like even before I graduated, I kind of had the job in order basically. Um, And then I graduated in May you have to take like a licensing exam and then like a, depending on what state you're in, you maybe have to take another exam. So I did all that and I got licensed. Yeah. I got licensed to practice in like July maybe of 2018. Cause I graduated in May. Um, and then I started working like August, September of 2018 at a practice, um, which allowed me to see individuals and couples, a lot of individuals though, mainly, um, and then, yeah, after that, I worked at that practice from 2018 to 2021. And then 2021, I decided to leave and start my own practice. So it's been smooth in the sense of like, it's been a pretty gradual growth and career path. Obviously, there's been some like hard moments, but I can't say that it's been like horrible or that I've been like doubting myself or that anything's come up that I didn't feel like I couldn't handle. That's wonderful. And congratulations on starting your own practice. Thank you. Thank you so much. Of course. So you're Elsie. Why is it important for Black people to have Black mental health professionals like you? Well, I think that's because there's so much stigma around mental health in the Black community. So having Black mental health professionals can help clients feel a little more comfortable talking to someone because there might be uh, an assumed under there there might be an assumed idea that we will have a shared understanding right like you might be able to relate to the things that I'm going through because you're also a black person in America versus maybe someone who's white or you know Spanish or whatever the case may be so I think just appearance wise that also helps you feel a little bit more connected um but then also there's like safety and comfort in having someone understands the certain nuances of our culture like I've had clients talk about like, oh, like I'm transitioning and I know that they mean like their hair or I gave an example. I was on a uh, IG live yesterday. Like when takeoff died, I was like, oh, my God, like are my clients OK? Like, you know, just having a therapist to understand certain things that are happening in the community because other people who are not a part of the black community might be oblivious to it or might just not have the same lens that we may look at it through. So I think it's important to have mental health professionals that look like you so that you feel seen, but also that take that cultural competency into consideration because sometimes Black people might get overdiagnosed with certain things or misdiagnosed with certain things um, because the medical system has always been very whitewashed, right? And so having a therapist who still learns the medical system and like learn those things from it being passed down, but also can add that cultural competence can be helpful. Of course. And as you stated, the Black community is less likely to talk about mental health. Why is that? Um, I mean, I can't speak for every Black person, but I do think 
that a lot of it is to me it all goes back to slavery um at least because in this country that's where we started like in the world black people did not start off as slaves um but in this country we were stripped from our homes we were brought here we endured horrible horrible things in the middle passage and then horrible horrible things once we got here um so talking about stuff probably didn't feel like it would help because it's like what's the point of talking about it like i'm still gonna have to do such and such tomorrow or i still run the chance of like being killed or whipped tomorrow or whatever the case may be um so i feel like some of it was just like passed down that you only keep you keep stuff to yourself or you keep stuff in the family and a therapist is not a family member. So it's like, you don't go tell other people your business, right? It's like, why would I pay someone to talk to them about what's going on when I could just talk to a friend? So I think that that's one of the big things that add to the stigma, um, as well as this idea that if you're going to therapy, then that must mean that something is wrong. And that's not always the case. Like you can go to therapy and be in a really good space, but just want an objective, objective party to, hear you to validate your emotions to process some things with you or ask you some questions that maybe you wouldn't have thought to ask yourself um and there was one more thing I was about to say and I lost it um yeah and just having someone that's objective like people might feel like well if I can talk to my friends what's the difference but like your friends know you you might feel embarrassed to tell your friends certain things or you might tell them something, but like you're going to see them again in your own settings where they might know other people that you know. With a therapist, you're seeing them in this one setting, typically once a week or, you know, whatever the case may be. And so you can unload and unwind and process what's going on um, and then not have to see them in your day to day life. And therapy, again, doesn't have to be about something's wrong. It can be preventative. It can be you learning skills, you know, how to handle anxiety when it comes up or how to manage depression when it comes up for you. Like therapy doesn't always have to mean that you're currently like not okay or crazy or whatever the negative um, messages we receive. Of course. And I also know that religion plays a large role in the stigma. Because it's all like, you know, well, you just, you're not supposed to worry. You're supposed to just trust in God or just pray about it. And like, I identify as Christian. I believe in God. I pray. I go to church. I read my Bible. And <laughs> you can still have a therapist and do those things. You can trust in God and still feel worried or still feel scared. Like that's a human emotion. That's normal. Um, so it doesn't mean that you have to pick one or the other. Or it doesn't mean having a therapist means that you don't trust God or that you're not trusting him to like pull you through. I mean, if anything, God also created therapists. So he created them as tools for you, you know, to go through whatever you're experiencing. Wow. Thank you for that insight. And so earlier, of course, we talked about your experience at Spelman college mm -hmm. and right now at Spelman, there's a lot of conversation around mental health, which is wonderful. But during your time there, what was the approach to or the general consensus around mental health? Um, there was conversation about it. Peppers was kind of that liaison between the students and the counseling center. Um, people didn't always have the best experiences with the counseling center. 
Um, I never went to the counseling center as a client, so I can't speak on it myself from personal experience, but just from things I heard, people had mixed experiences. Um, but taking care of your mental health was discussed. Um, we tried to do like self-care activities or stuff to look for. Um, I'm sure that it's even more prevalent on campus now because you all have gone through going to school in a pandemic, being isolated. Like I graduated in 2016. So that was four years before COVID even happened. Um, and I think from 2016, well, if I started in 2012, 2012 to 2016, a lot of changes happened around mental health, but then also 2016 to now, people are more open about it. It's more of a discussion and a topic of conversation. So I'm sure the Spelman is probably doing a bit more now, but I did always feel like Spelman would have different events to like make sure that you're not getting too stressed or overwhelmed or anxious with finals. Like there was always a party. There was always a DJ in the cafeteria. Like there was always something to help you like loosen up or relax a bit. Right. Thank you for detailing that. So of course, Black people of low socioeconomic status have disproportionate access to mental health care. How do you attempt to reach the sector of the community? Um, my biggest way is accepting insurance. Um, I Accepting insurance is a hassle for a lot of therapists. So I get why some therapists don't do it. And other therapists who don't accept insurance, maybe they have like a sliding scale or they do something else to reach the community. Um, so my way of being accessible is to accept the one insurance that's heavily used in this area that I knew a lot of my clients had so that it wouldn't have disrupted like their service and so that we'd be able to continue working together. Um, so yeah, that's my biggest way. I mean, I also try to like recognize I can't see every person like I'm at, I have a wait list now. Like there's only so many clients I can see. So I try to make content for my social media page. Um, that can be informative. Obviously, my content and social media does not substitute therapy by any means. Um, but I just try to provide information or journal prompts or affirmations or just resources that could be helpful. Um and I came out with a, was that last year? Last year I wrote um, the CBT Journal for Mental Health. And it's like a journal that people can use. Again, the journal does not replace therapy, um, but it can be a helpful addition to therapy or a way to just help you take care of your mental health. So that journal has, again, journal prompts, but also like exercises. Because um, CBT stands for Cognitive Behavioral Therapy. And that's all about how our cognitions or thoughts and our emotions and our behaviors intertwine and impact each other. So the book kind of helps you think of what are you thinking? How are you feeling? How are you behaving? So those are what those exercises are about. And then there's the journal prompts, there's affirmations. And I think that's it. Journal prompts, affirmations, exercises. Yeah, those are the biggest things that are part of the book. Hmm, I appreciate all that you do, Jordan. Thank you. Of course. And I have one last question, but certainly not the least. What are everyday practices that Black people, specifically Black women, can do to maintain and improve their mental health? What's in your toolbox? 
Um, in my toolbox, I journal, I take naps, I read, I have been going to bar class, which is like the, the workout classes with the ballet bars. Very hard. Um, I've been doing that a lot. Sometimes I do yoga, meditate, talk to friends. Um, trying to look around to see what else I do. Um, I take care of my plants. I light candles. Um, sometimes I make hair masks and have a hair day. Um, what else is in my toolbox? And then I just like set boundaries. Like I don't see clients on Fridays, so that's helpful. Fridays supposed to be Fridays are supposed to be the day that I do like administrative work or you know finish therapy notes or bill clients for stuff um or bill insurance I should say but yeah sometimes I do sometimes I don't because Friday is the day that I don't see clients so it depends I give myself grace and I try to be gentle with myself a lot um I plan out my week so that that helps me stay organized and think of what I have to do and create to-do lists. For some people that might be overwhelming, but for me, it's helpful. And with a to-do list, I'm like, okay, what has to get done versus like, if it doesn't, then that's okay. And what can I prioritize versus like, how can I give myself a break? Those are all great tips, Jordan. Thank you so much for your time today. No problem. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. Thank you for listening to today's episode of The Mirror Elizabeth Show. I hope you are inspired. Be sure to download, follow me on your socials, and stream the next episode.